This is the MDRT Podcast. Getting into the financial services industry isn't always easy. During a recent interview, MDRT member Mark Neufeld discussed the importance of networking, learning new client strategies, and developing a succession plan. I started the traditional knocking on doors at banks and brokerage firms in town because I knew the investment world and money management was the area I wanted to get into. And I looked for a job for probably 18 months and had lots and lots of doors closed on me because the standard reply I would get to my application would be, you know, Mark, your resume looks good. You seem like a nice guy, but you don't have any experience. So why don't you come back in two years when you have experience and then we can talk. And obviously that for somebody, young guy trying to get a job, you know, how are you going to get experience if nobody kind of gives you that opportunity? So, you know, this went on for a while and I was growing pretty discouraged because I wasn't, I wasn't getting anywhere. And so I actually, because I had rent to pay and, and bills to pay, I was doing a laboring job, just manual labor. I was at having lunch and I was talking to one of the guys I was working with. And he said to me, Mark, you seem like a smart guy, and I don't imagine this job is what you envision yourself doing longer term. I said, no, ultimately, I'm trying to get in the financial planning world, investments, money management, that kind of stuff. And he looked at me and with this kind of grin on his face and said, really, that's interesting because a really close friend of mine is doing some electrical work at this company called Rogers Group Financial. Have you ever heard of them? No, I haven't heard of that firm. And so one thing led to another. He put me in contact with somebody at Rogers Group Financial who was hiring. I faxed my resume in and three interviews later I got hired. So that was October of 1999 and Rogers Group Financial is the firm started by Jim Rogers, the the one-time president. So I had no idea of the firm and it wasn't until a couple years into working with that firm that I realized just how lucky I was to have landed where I did. It was just talking to somebody, being open, listening to what they had to say, and taking a chance. So I got hired in October of 1999. The gentleman that hired me, his name was Ken Hawley. He was a long-term MDRT member, top of the table uh, member. And I started working with him at the very ground level. So administrative assistant, uh, starting salary 26500 in 1999. I'll never forget it. And uh, that's kind of how I got my start in this profession. I believe things happen for a reason and I couldn't have landed in a better spot, you know, the opportunity I had. So I tell that story to lots of of my clients um, that I look after just to give them a perspective on kind of where I came from. I feel very fortunate to have had the start I had and and, uh, the experience that I gained, you know, kind of through that process. In our firm, Rogers Group Financial, we have a very defined, what we call articling advisor program. So it's a program where if you're interested in becoming a financial advisor, there's a number of steps and things that you have to do until you can call yourself a financial advisor. They don't just give you that title and say, go for it and give these people advice. So um, after two years of kind of doing administrative work, I entered that training program. And basically, a lot of my training happened in client meetings. So my mentor that I worked with, I would sit alongside him and just be in the room when he was conducting his client meetings. And I would be there as a support. I would answer the odd question. But most of the time, 
my lips were closed and I was just listening, observing how he did business, how clients, body language, all that kind of stuff. So it was very observational. And I had to earn that right to be in that office. I had to prove myself to my mentor before he felt comfortable with me coming into that relationship. Um, you know, with his with his client. So it definitely, working alongside him, he was in his 60s, so it was kind of a team approach. So it wasn't just me all of a sudden giving clients advice. I was working alongside somebody. So I think it gave clients a good comfort level for their so money. It was a gradual process to transition these clients to Newfeld. My mentor and I, we discussed it for several years on kind of a succession plan uh, for him. He was the kind of guy... If he was still alive today, I'm convinced that he would still be working. He was that kind of guy that just loved work, loved his clients, liked to help people. So, you know, we talked kind of off the record, you know, succession plan. You know, he's in his 60s, I'm in my 20s. It was kind of a natural discussion, but he never really wanted to sit down and formalize a plan. We would just kind of talk generally. And I was okay with that um, because I was working alongside one of the best in the industry, taking more and more work off his plate and moving on to my plate. You know, when I first started working for him, I remember coming into his office and he'd have stacks of files in his office that he'd work on in the weekends. And once I started working more closely with him over the years, those files started to come out of his office and go into my cubicle because I was the one doing the work. And so it was a good fit because he could have his weekends back and I was kind of getting the experience that I wanted. So we worked really well together along the way. So that relationship went on for 10 years, in fact. And unfortunately, in May of 2008, he was given a terminal diagnosis for aggressive prostate cancer. So, you know, I'll never forget the day that he got that news and he shared it with us in the office. And, you know, it was at that point that, you know, the succession plan that we had talked about kind of loosely, we needed to get more serious. Unfortunately, it was kind of thrown upon us. So we entered into a plan and, you know, started to transition client relationships. About half of the business I looked after through the succession plan and the other half went to another uh, individual that this mentor trained prior to me along the way. For me, in terms of succession planning, you know, I'm 41 years old now. It's interesting because I actually had a client ask me that question. I've never had somebody ask me that question. I guess it's because I'm getting older now. They said to me, Mark, what are you going to do with the business when you retire? And I never really thought about that because I've always been <laughs> on the other end of the succession plan. So it, it definitely has made me... Uh, think about that a bit more um, you know I, I wish I could say you know we had this elaborate plan from day one and this was how it's gonna go um, it wasn't that case you know the health challenges that Ken faced you know kind of forced it in nature but we set out a, a very good plan for those uh, it was a two-year transition period along the way so yeah for me uh, I am thinking about it I don't have anything definite in, in the mix right now but with some of my team members right now I, I do look to them as potential successes, I guess, uh, down the road, but life changes, situations change, so you just never know, you know, how, how things go. But uh, it's definitely something on the back of my mind that I'd like to address more thoroughly than, than kind of what I previously experienced. Over the years, Newfeld's approach to finding clients has progressed. Two-thirds of my clients are retired, and the average age is 66 of my clientele. So ultimately, to keep 
the business going, I've got to find younger clients because I have people that pass away. You know, they retire, so they start taking an income, so that asset base can get depleted over time. So one of the things I've been trying to really focus on is is looking after the children of some of my clients. And that's kind of a natural fit for me, just given my demographic. So I'm starting to get some traction in, in that regard. And, and some of these individuals aren't what I call my on-profile clients. Um, they're not the ideal client, but if I can develop relationships with the children of my clients and say the client passes away and I've got a relationship, I'm able to retain those assets and keep that uh, you know down the road. So that's definitely something I look for. I have um, a process that I uh, recently got involved with through a coaching relationship that I've uh, been doing. One of the things I do for my very best clients is I let them know that um, I will act as a sounding board for anybody that's in their life that is important to them that has a question about financial planning or about investments and I will be happily invest an hour of my time bring them into the office sit down with them see if I can help them it's not them becoming a client if, if that works out great but if it doesn't I will help them find you know the avenue that they're looking for uh, it's so it's a service to my existing clients and that's starting to get some traction so I'm talking to my very best clients and offering it to them as an option if they have somebody that they'd like me to talk to, I'd make myself available. And it's not me just paying lip service to this. I actually do it. And it's not a funny gimmicky kind of thing. It's it's a it's a it's a real process that I that I have. And I've just started doing it, but I'm starting to see some of the traction and, and some of this kind of develop. So it's exciting for me to see that stuff start to develop. When meeting with clients, the style of discussion continues to develop as well. Because I deal with an older clientele, um, you know, face-to-face -face meetings is still kind of the standard. But I have been noticing as clients get a little bit older, they're not wanting to drive into the office. I make myself available to come to them if they choose. I don't broadcast it out, but certain individuals that aren't mobile, I, I, I'll go to their home. But I am starting to see some clients wanting to do phone meetings. So I do quite a bit of telephone meetings, more so than Skype or FaceTime telephone meetings. And I find that it's a very efficient use of their time. It's a very efficient use of my time. You make the options available to clients and, and see what, what, what fits. Studies are showing that more and more people don't want to come into the office and see their advisor. They don't maybe want to meet as often as you think they want to meet with you. So asking those clients, we've got you set up for twice a year meetings. Is that working for you? Yes or no? We can tweak it if need be. So, you know, all my clients are segmented. They all have a predetermined month in the year, which they come in for their, whether it be an annual, semi-annual, quarterly meeting. So it's all systematized. And some clients will call in for a meeting. And they say, you know what, Mark? Everything's fine. I have no planning items to bring up. Unless you have something to bring up, maybe we just put this in abeyance till the next quarter or the next six months. So just checking in is making sure we, we check in occasionally. One of the most difficult parts of the job can be dealing with issues related to death. There was no class I took at university how to deal with a grieving widow uh, or widower. It just doesn't happen. It's on-the-job training. So I've made some mistakes. I've said some things to widows and widowers that I know I'm not going to say again. You know, a lot of times I just listen to them and be a resource. Um, you know, um, you know, emotionally, I think that it, it does it does take a certain individual 
to, to, to be able to handle that kind of stuff. And I'm not perfect. I, you know, I take some of that stuff home and it causes me stress sometimes. But, you know, I've got a great support network at home and I take all that, the good and the bad, right? You know, that's just part of the profession. And so I've learned a lot through my mentoring uh, relationships. I've actually been reading a gal's book. She actually spoke, I think, at MDRT meeting. Her name's Amy Florian. I believe she's based out of Chicago, but she wrote a book about you know, what to say to grieving widows, what not to say, what to write to them in letters, what not to write in letters and cards and that kind of stuff. So I've read her stuff. I follow her on Twitter. She's a resource, but I didn't really get exposed her till well into my profession. So a lot of it was just kind of learning by doing. And my mentor gave me a lot of great, great tips on that, you know, in terms of just, just listening. Don't, worry about having to say anything profound and and try to remember of special moments that you've had with that client that you can share with the widow or widower you know oh I remember that time he came into the office and he wanted to tell me about his new Mac computer and you know sharing that with people and they, they start to smile and remember the good times and so that's definitely something that I try to do is bring up something that I remember and to lead the conversation off and and then kind of see where it goes. When it comes to a career trajectory, though, it's often unpredictable. Ultimately, you know, when I started, in terms of kind of where I thought I would be, you know, when I started 16 years ago, I could have never, ever imagined I would be where I am today. Never. Um, you know, when, when I started, I knew I wanted to be in this area and knew I wanted to help people, but I didn't know I was going to be a business owner. I didn't know I'd have to be responsible for hiring staff, firing staff, doing performance reviews, you know, all that kind of stuff. It kind of was an opportunity that presented itself once I started working in the firm that I'm in. So I think it's way more than I ever imagined. It wasn't what I, you know, I'm in the profession that I wanted, but I don't think I truly understood the profession, what it was all about until I've been living it for the last 16 years. That brings us to the end of this month's episode. If you want to subscribe, you can find us on iTunes at MDRT Podcast. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.